Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Megan. And I'm Sarah. We're two moms with eight kids between us, and we're the hosts of The Mom Hour. On this show, we're joined by a team of unique mom voices from across the country and in different stages of motherhood to bring you tips, ideas, and encouragement, and to help you feel a little less alone. We all know that motherhood is a lot easier when real moms share honest truths and remind each other that it's all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Mom Hour. This is Jamie Sherrod, and I am here again with fellow contributor Jennifer Carroll. Hey, Jennifer, how are you? Hey, Jamie, I'm well. How are you? I am doing really well. I'm pretty excited to chat with you again. Um, It occurred to me yesterday, actually, that this is our third episode that we've both been on. We did stuff junk and things where we talked together in July. But then I don't know if you remember, we did that episode with Megan where she interviewed each of us separately. So actually, this is our third time kind of coming together, which is fun. But um, today we are going to be talking all about youth sports, which I know is near and dear to both of us. Um, but before we dive in, let's just reintroduce ourselves to listeners and make sure they're, they're caught up with who we are again. So I am Jamie Sherrod. Uh, I have two kids, ages five and three, and we live in a suburb of Raleigh, North Carolina. And I am Jennifer. I have six-year-old twins who are in kindergarten this year, and we live in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Okay, so sports. This is kind of a big topic. Um, This has long been a part of my life. Uh, I kind of stepped away for a while after college and now have recently um, been sprung back into organized sports and team sports because my five-year-old, who's also a kindergartner, um, started his very first organized sport, which is soccer. And it happened to be the sport that I played. I was a little nervous about him playing the sport that I played, um, which we can get more into later. But um, he asked me to coach him next season. And of course, I was like, oh, nope, no, thank you. I do not want to coach you. And then I remembered your blog post 
from last spring that was like, you can coach youth sports. And so I wanted to reach out to you and talk a little bit about coaching and all of this youth sport climate and culture. But if you would do us a favor and just kind of like recap that blog post, if people haven't read it, of course, it'll be linked up. Um, But just kind of what led you to write it and all the good things that come with that. Yeah. So I'm just want to say it again. I'm so excited to talk about sports with you because we are fully in our like little league sports era. I am in the thick of it. I am coaching all of the things, whether I have a lot of experience in that sport or not. And so I just want to encourage other moms that, you know, at least at this young recreational level, you need so much less sports experience than you think. And it is more about like crowd management. I mean, I'm sure <laughs> so people true. have heard it before. It's, it's hurting cats. And, you know, if they score a basket, they score a goal at the end of the day, everyone's like so happy. And if you can teach them the very most like small fundamentals of the sport, I think you are way ahead. And truly, I think, you know, some of the same tips and tricks that teachers use for like classroom management techniques, I think that's what makes a great coach. You don't have to be an expert um, in sports by any stretch. And at least around here, people are, the teams are desperate for coaches. And I think that's where moms have a great opportunity to step up and it's a great way to spend time with your kids. Um, You know, I'm not the board game mom. I'm not super crafty, Mm -hmm. but I will get out there with you and kick a soccer ball. And that's, and in my book, that's an hour of quality time that we're spending together. Yeah, I, um, I completely agree with that last statement. And I know we'll dive more into that of like family values and how we spend time together a little bit later in the episode. I am, I'm so glad you wrote it for, a million reasons. Not only it inspired me, but I, I appreciate you encouraging people to coach a sport that they're unfamiliar with, because I actually have always said, like, I, I was a soccer player um, and I would be nervous to coach soccer because I'm, I'm almost afraid I'd be like too intense or I'd be trying to like take it to the next level. And there's something to be said about coaching something that you know less about, because it is more about just that like team engagement, getting kids to be active, learning about sportsmanship and learning about how to handle when one kid is keeping the ball the whole time and not passing it. All those sorts of things, um, I feel like are huge learning lessons that have far more to do with being a mom and an educator and way less to do with the sport. So I think I think it's just such sound advice. I do have a few more questions for you that are kind of nitpicky and specific because I'm really nervous to take on this role. Yeah. Um, We are not only going to discuss coaching today, though. We are really going to dive into kind of like our philosophies on youth sport culture. Um, You and I were both youth athletes into our um, adulthoods, arguably, into our college years, you could say. I guess we were adults by then, but into our college years. And um, we have lots of thoughts about this. I think it would be really valuable. You and I are coming to this conversation maybe from a little bit of a different perspective than other moms are. 
And I think it's worthwhile to sort of set the stage of what our youth athletic experiences were like. Um, Absolutely. So that way people can have a good understanding of where we come from. Because there might be moms out there listening who think we are way too intense. And there may be moms out there listening who think we are not intense enough, right? Um, so this exactly. is just kind of kind of setting the stage of where we are coming from, because it's impossible to not let our past inform how we're going to parent our kids. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So if you would just give us kind of a rundown of like your youth athletic career, <laughs> for lack of a better word, yes. um, kind of just up until up until now. Yeah, so I actually got my start in competitive gymnastics. I think I was just like an athletic kid. My mom signed me up for gymnastics and quickly they were like, you're on the team and Mm -hmm. you're practicing, you know, three days a week going to gymnastics meets. Well, um, as I progressed in that, it was quickly becoming evident that I'm almost six feet tall. And so, you know, there are some physical limitations as you continue to grow for a competitive gymnast. And so my coaches sat me down and were like, maybe you should try a different sport. (laughs) So that's kind of how I got into basketball, you know, played a little soccer, played a little softball here and there, but I really did enjoy basketball and ended up playing um, competitive, like a traveling team um, around here. A lot of times it's called like AAU or something like that. And so I did that probably starting fifth, sixth grade, Mm -hmm. um, would play basketball all summer. And then here, um, school sports start in seventh grade. And so I played um, on a pretty competitive middle school and high school team. We went on to win two state championships. um, Amazing at the largest division in our state, which was a really great experience and also gave me the opportunity to um, get a scholarship and play at a D2 school. Ultimately, once I got to college, I'll be honest, I was really burnt out. I had been playing basketball year round for, I don't know, close to 10 years, it felt like. And so I was looking around at all my friends and just you know, wanted to do the college thing and not be in the weight room at 6am. And so ended up changing schools, changing majors, switching up my whole life. But I will say even in adulthood, I um, run, I work out and I continue to kind of use that foundation of athletics in adulthood and now coaching my kids. So I'd love to hear about your background, Jamie. Um, Oh my gosh, I could respond to like 14 things that you just talked about, but for the sake of time, I'm just going to dive into my background here. But, um, so I started running track actually at age three, I was, I was in California and that was like a pretty popular option for young kids. Um, and then starting around age seven, I started kind of diving into a smattering of sports. So I did soccer, basketball, softball. Um, and I did that from about seven to nine, but it was, it was pretty clear early on that I had a knack for soccer and I also had a passion for it. It was my favorite of all the sports that I had kind of putzed around with. Um, my parents held me off for years, Jennifer, to not let me play club. My parents are not um, high. It, it They didn't have any history with sports, um, but they knew that the travel leagues were 
pretty time consuming. And they held me off for as long as they could. But at 12, I was just begging to like get on a more competitive team. So I played very competitively through middle school, high school. Um, the recruiting process, I knew I wanted to play in college. The recruiting process started when I was 15 and I had verbally committed to a small division one program by the time I was 16 and then played four years in college. And much like you, when I finished that last game, I hung up my cleats with exactly zero sadness in my heart. I was so ready to be done with this thing that had completely occupied my life for, you know, 10 years about, like you said. And so um, I get asked from time to time if I've played like in an adult league. And you mentioned being still very active. It's interesting because I have a, um, a sense of disliking being like working out because it feels a little bit like punishment to me. When I think about running, I think of it as a punishment, not as like a joyful thing. And so I've actually had a hard time bringing that sort of healthy, active lifestyle even to adulthood. And that's a whole other discussion for another day because that's not what we're talking about. But I'm just intrigued because I think we all bring different parts to adulthood. Um, and that's one I've struggled with. But like, I, I love kicking the ball around now, like you said, and I enjoyed the sport as a whole, but it was, it was a unique experience. And I have feelings about how I want to approach that with my kids. And we're going to get into a lot more of that sort of in the second half of this episode. Um, but I do want to talk about coaching with you because I have a couple specific questions that make me nervous. Yes. I know your blog has um, some really good practical tips, but one thing, well, let's just start first. What coach, what sports have you coached for your kids and what have you really liked about it? And is there anything that you didn't like about it? Um, so let's see, I've coached, we started out with soccer. Um, I helped with T-ball. We just finished, um, or are finishing our flag football season. And I've done a couple seasons of basketball. We just had our first basketball practice last night. You know, for me, I think anytime you're trying to teach your own child to do something, that's probably the biggest challenge. I don't know what it is about trying to teach or coach your own child. It's just like your expectations are so much higher and mm -hmm. you maybe have a higher standard for them than you would another child. Like mm -hmm. if you were working with a friend's kid or something. Um, and then there's that like, mom relationship, you know, you've got to be fair to everyone and all of that. So, I mean, yesterday we're driving to basketball practice and I'm like, all right, Heath and Harper, those are my twins. Um, I'm putting on my coaching hat now. I'm taking mm -hmm. off my mom hat and, you know, it, we're having basketball practice and the practice is about the team. Um, and so kind of going through that, it's been getting a little easier as they get older but I mean, when you're coaching these young sports, kids are still going to have tantrums. Kids are going to have meltdowns. Yeah. And I think if you can just like keep expectations in check, that's helpful. The one thing that's kind of a bummer is if when you're coaching the whole team is you can't be, you know, mom or Opsy taking the photos of the soccer goal or whatever. Oh, but, yes. Good you know, point. If you, yeah. If you have a grandparent there or a partner 
you know, maybe you can switch on and off. But overall, you know, it's been a hugely rewarding experience. Have you found that to be true as you're kind of delving into this area? Well, so I, so first of all, watching my child play a sport is so incredibly rewarding to me. Yeah. I mean, just sitting on the sideline, seeing him out there with his teammates, I just can't get enough of it. And all we care about is, did you have fun today? Did you have fun? That's all, that's all we focus on, think about, talk about, but it is so rewarding. I substitute coached at the beginning of the season. I sent the coach's email and said, Hey, if you're ever like down a coach, I'm very happy to step in and help kind of corral the kids. I wasn't going to be bringing any sort of like coaching, you know, tips or anything like that. I was just like, it's nice to have a second adult out there. Right. And, Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that I was really worried about with that, and you started to touch on this, is telling your kids like, hey, I'm putting on the coaching hat right now because I'm always a little bit worried that my son, and I, I've just experienced this several times before, I feel like my kids are just, they get a little bit more comfortable when mom is around compared to when they're having to listen to like another adult and mom isn't around. There are actually, I'm going to sidestep here for a second. There are a couple episodes in the Mom Hour archives where Sarah and Megan talk about sports parenting. And one of the things they mentioned was leaving your kids at practice kind of and not paying attention. Like, don't be there and be a distraction to them and stuff like that. And I see that being a huge positive. And that's what kind of worries me sometimes about coaching because I think my kids do get a lot out of me not being involved as their coach and not being involved there. But um, my kid loved it. He loved having me out there be a substitute. And that's what made me think like, oh, this actually would be a really, this would be positive for me and my child's relationship. And it may not be the case for every other mom and child, um, but I think it would be good for us. Do you feel like your kids are genuinely like happy to have you out there? Do you think they think that's really cool? I think it's really cool. <laughs> yeah, I think we're in the sweet spot of like, you know, we're kindergartners, so they're not embarrassed by us yes. yet. And so I'm like, I'm going to ride this wave as long as I can. And so right now you want me around, so I'm going to be around. Yeah. And then as far as like, I, I do have one who for whatever reason, personality wise, just does not love taking direction from me. Uh Um, but I don't know, like last night we had basketball practice. It did seem like there was a little bit of peer pressure of like everyone's dribbling the basketball. So they're going to do, you know, what everyone else is doing. And then another thing we did is we made stations. We had these three stations, one with passing, one with shooting, one with dribbling. And so you know, your kids were with you for a short time as they rotated these stations, but they weren't with you the whole time. And so that was kind of a sweet spot for us and maybe something you guys could um, experiment with. I really like that. Can you give me details of that? Did you like pull in other parents to help you run those stations or do you have three coaches? How do you make that happen? So what I have found is like the most intimidating part for other parents to coach is just kind of being the project manager of the team, if you will, the one to send out the emails, the one to do whatever it is. 
but there's all these parents who are like totally willing to help. And so um, I had one mom who approached me and she's like, Hey, I used to play basketball. Um, I can't really be coach, but if you need help here, you know, practice is just an hour. So I'm not going to go all the way home. You know, please put me to work. And gotcha. then another mom, I kind of knew, you know, I knew fairly well. And so I was like, Hey, if you're not busy, you know, do you think you could run a station? And so I think that's the thing too. Like parents are totally willing to step up and help. But if they're like, oh my goodness, I have this entire hour to fill, that's intimidating. And so, but if you can say, hey, all I need you to do is you've got a group of four kids. I want you guys to dribble in a line up and down, you know, 10 times or whatever it is, then people are really happy to jump in and help with that. I love that. I have not seen that. Um displayed in my experience yet but that is that is something I would definitely take going forward I think having that parent buy-in and involvement the kids don't intimidate me the way that I'm a little worried about parents maybe intimidating me or being like intense or having feelings about playing time or the way things were managed I guess and so if you have parents involved with practice, it adds this buy-in that we're all in this together. Um, and that has to go a long way. Sarah, we both know this time of year can be crazy. So this is a great time to get ahead with no prep, no mess meals from our sponsor, Factor. I love how these meals are ready to eat and delivered right to your door. I mean, you can't beat that convenience, but most importantly, they're seriously delicious. Yeah, Megan, I agree. Our whole family was impressed with the quality and flavor of Factor Meals we tried. And it turned out to be a great option for my teenagers when they got home late from a theater practice or came home from school super hungry. There's zero prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Factor Meals just need to be heated for about two minutes and they're ready to go. Yeah, and for any listeners with wellness goals this month, Factor has six menu preferences to support your lifestyle, whether you're trying to boost your protein, avoiding meat, or simply focusing on well-balanced meals. And you can pause or reschedule deliveries to fit your lifestyle. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. Head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code MOMHOUR50 at factormeals.com slash MOMHOUR50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, were all comparing notes on our favorite product. Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from our place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the Forever Chemicals found in many of those air fryers. 
Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's fromourplace.com, code MOMHOUR. Have you had any issues with too intense parents or witnessed it or anything like that? Well, I wonder if you and I are kind of, because I had that same concern too, bringing mm-hmm. this from our competitive sport experience, because oh. <laughs> I definitely remember um, seeing some grown-ups behaving poorly on a competitive level. Yes, And I have to wonder if, you know, you're putting all this time, effort, energy, you know, financial resources into a competitive team, the stakes just feel higher. I have not experienced that at the rec level. Everyone has been really lovely, truly. Like, you know, so kind, willing, you know, wanting to help, positive feedback, that sort of thing. Um, And no one has ever complained about playing time. No one has ever complained about like, oh, you know, I can't believe we lost, that sort of thing. It's all been really positive. And... Um, it just seems like everyone's happy to be there. And as long as the kids are happy and all of that, then the parents have been very easygoing. Awesome. I am. I'm really glad to hear that. And I think you've hit the nail on the head that I'm probably pulling from my experiences at 11, 12, 13 and thinking, like I told you, my parents were just fully supportive of me and my choices. They weren't necessarily sports parents, you know, in mm-hmm. the like kind of maybe stereotypical way we think about it. So I did always feel surprised when I saw certain parents getting really intense about the activity that I thought we were all just enjoying. So I think you're right in that I'm I'm probably pulling from there. And my parents were the same way. Like they were not going to confront the coach and say like, you know, Jennifer's not getting playing time or whatever. Mm -hmm. They, you know, they supported me, like you said, but it was kind of my thing. And so if I wasn't happy, well, then I needed to advocate for myself and go talk to the coach and find out that sort of thing, like what I needed to work on or whatever. But um, yeah. So I do remember being very surprised by that. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. at least like we're lucky. We're seeing at the rec level. Yes, that's really good to know, and that's that's pretty encouraging to me. One of the things that we haven't touched on, and I'm curious how this plays out in your leagues, but I would say at glance around the fields and the teams, we are predominantly being coached by the dads, and I I, I love every bit of that. I think it's awesome that dads are out there coaching their kids. I love it. I love it. I love it. That said, um, I, our rec league is a co-ed league. And so there are like, a, each team has like three or four girls and then like eight or nine boys basically. And I look around and I think like, oh, I want these girls, especially as a woman athlete, as a former female athlete, I want these girls to see female coaches. I want them to see female athletes that you can be a woman and you can be an athlete. And so I don't want to put more on moms. I mean, moms already have enough on their plates. But when I look around and I think about the examples we're setting, 
I wonder what we're reinforcing with predominantly dads taking on the coaching roles. And I like the idea of thinking about more women taking on those roles because I think it's so good for these young four, five, six, seven, eight-year-old girls to see athletic women, you know? So I'm curious, what is, have you noticed any dynamic in differences like in your leagues or does it seem pretty diverse? Well, I'm right there with you though. And just like seeing the women coaching and leading by example and all of that. I mean, I would say I'm observing some of the same things. It's definitely more dad focused, but you know, I am seeing some moms who are stepping up to the plate and doing um, the coaching as well. But I mean, I think what you were saying just raises such a good point and something that's like really near and dear to my heart is that um, research has really shown that there is this narrow window for girls between the ages of like nine and 14, I think it is, that if you can get them plugged into some sort of physical activity, whether it's dance, whether it's sports, whether whatever it is, moving their body, if they will continue through kind of that adolescent time frame, they will take those habits and are typically more likely to be a physically active adult. Wow. But if they stop, the research has shown they are far less likely to ever pursue that. And I'm not saying like, you know, we're running a marathon or something, just like simple things, hiking, biking, things like that. And so I just think that's so good to model as moms and parents. Um, You know, physical activity is great for a lifetime, whatever that looks like. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that study. Because first of all, I'm a sucker for research. But second of all, it's just good reinforcement. And, you know, kind of what we're going to get into next here on the latter half of this episode about what are what are our values? What are our goals? Why do we put our kids in sports? What is the end game here? And that's just that's like a good thing to sort of springboard off of into that. You mentioned that a listener in the Mom Hour Facebook community group had posted a question about like the chaos of evening schedules and feeling like I can't do it all or even I don't want to do it all. Um, And you said that you had responded to that. I thought it would be really interesting if you, A, just kind of told us about that and what you had responded, but it may be worthwhile to tell listeners, like, what did our fall schedules look like this year and kind of what we're staring down for winter, um, just to set the stage about what we're doing with our kids at their ages now. Yeah, I thought that was such a good post because what is going to work for one family could be so very different that works from your family. And I am finding that as we get deeper into this whole sports thing, that my philosophy and what I'm okay with, not okay with is like totally changing. Mm-hmm. So um This year, Harper started out taking tennis lessons right after school. It was like a group drill situation twice a week. Um, She did that for a couple months. That overlapped a little bit. My son decided to play flag football, and that was going to be twice a week. And I was like, hold the phone. This is intense. (laughs) Um, Also, because practice happens to be at 6 p.m. But I will say we have really fallen into a nice rhythm. We kind of, they come home from school, 
we do, I call it our snack dinner, our early dinner. It's like something light. Maybe it's what my husband and I are going to eat later. Um, maybe it's a sandwich for the kids, something. And then we kind of have our pre-dinner. We go to practice at six or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then we've been coming home and kind of regrouping. The twins call it second dinner, but that's more yes. of kind of like, let's sit down, catch up about our day, that sort of thing. And so it's been good. I mean, I really thought it was going to be overwhelming to have kindergartners and two practices. And now they're both on the same basketball team because flag football and tennis have wrapped up for the fall. So we'll just have basketball, but it's been good. And I'm so excited to talk to you about this. Just hearing as another athlete, you know, I I feel like you and I kind of know what it takes to get to that next level and know that it requires some commitment, but just Mm -hmm. thinking about, okay, well, how do we want to do that with our family and what might we want to do differently? So I'd love to hear what you're thinking. Um. So I'll first share what our schedule kind of looked like here. We have, for about the last year, we started in this program called Kids Strong. Have you ever heard of Kids Strong? It's, I think it's relatively new, and I don't think it's all around. It's franchises, but I don't think it's all around the country. But the way I would look at it, combine like gym class with gymnastics with, you know, jujitsu, like it's very just physically active. They like push crawlers and tires and like that kind of stuff. All of course at like an appropriate young child's level. Um, so we do that one day a week on Mondays, the kids classes, they're in different classes, but they overlap. So we end up being there for about two hours during dinner time when all is said and done. Um, and then, my son had soccer practice one day a week. Get this, Jennifer. You're going to get such a kick out of this. So okay. <laughs> this rec league, the soccer practices were on a rotating schedule. So it was not a set day of the week because they wanted Ooh. to add more teams. And so in order to do that and not make a team have every practice be on Friday, because that's a big bummer in itself. They rotated the schedule. So every single week, practice was either Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. And we pretty much hit every day of the week, like twice um, over the course of the season. So that was kind of complicated in its own way. But then when I take a step back and I think about like, well, what do I value here? I value lots of kids being able to play soccer. So this means we got to add four more teams to the league this year, which means another 48 kids got to sign up for soccer. I can deal with kind of a little bit of a crummy up and down schedule, but I know a lot of people don't feel that way. Right. And so Mm -hmm. it was just, it was kind of interesting to jump into that, but, um, and then we had a soccer game on Saturdays, usually in the morning and that just finished. So we are now staring down winter and I, um, and planning to sign up my son for basketball. It's not, uh, it doesn't start till January. Um, but I need so I need my kids to have more to do than just one day a week. And this goes back to kind of our own family values, um, and what we kind of prioritize and enjoy, but I want to be out and about doing more activities. And so I think we're going to add basketball to the agenda. Um, but he also has a two week off tennis camp um, in the month of November. 
Okay, so let's dive in here. Let's talk kind of big picture about youth sport culture and how we kind of want to raise our kids as it relates to this increasingly competitive athletic world. Um, I think it's safe to say, I feel confident saying that it's more competitive now than it was when you and I were doing it. It feels that way to me. Um, I will give you just a quick story here. Um, I was in conversation with another parent who lives in my neighborhood, and this parent has a fourth grader, and uh, this fourth grader plays soccer very competitively, and we were talking about it because he happens to, that I play soccer with this kid and my kid sometimes when we're waiting at the bus stop. And I was told that, you know, hey, if you if you really want your kid to be successful at a sport, um, they really need to probably be deciding what that sport's going to be in second or third grade. And when I told you, when I tell you that my jaw hit the floor, like I was just like, no way, because that is just yeah. I'm not sure. Not I'm not sure. I'm quite confident that is not what I want for my kid, um, in part because I've done that life. Um, and also in part because at seven or eight, we don't need to be making decisions like that. But what is the risk of not committing to a sport at that age? Is there the potential to fall behind? Is my kid going to be disappointed when they don't make the middle school or high school team because they haven't been playing competitively with the rest of the other kids that are their age. These are all the things that my wife and I are just in truly constant discussion about. Um, So like where, what have you seen in your area with regard to like when competitive sports start, what have you and your husband talked about? I'll also, I will also ask, Is was your husband an athlete? He played high school baseball, okay. um, but he was also really involved with like FFA and yeah. showed sheep and stuff like that. Oh so, my gosh. I mean, it's so hard because there's just so many fantastic opportunities for kids these days. Yes. And so, yeah, how do you choose what's right for you? Um, I will say, yeah, I feel the same pressure. You're at the bus stop and like the other day, same thing. I was like, oh, maybe Harper would like to try cheerleading. And so I happened to see a mom who was wearing like our school name cheer shirt. And I was asking her about it. And she was like, oh, so-and-so has been in competitive cheer um, for two years now. And I was like, oh boy, like we haven't done anything yet. You know, is Harper going to feel really behind if we wait till third or fourth grade to try out Mm -hmm. cheerleading? And so I don't know. Yeah. My husband and I are constantly talking about that of like, when do you decide? And I mean, from a physical and emotional standpoint, I am right there with you that elementary school is not the time for like big decision making and you know, how you're going to be physically, are you going to be someone who's very, very tall? Are you not going to be tall? And what you like is going to um, change as you grow and develop. So I'm sure you guys have had those conversations. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, it's interesting that you bring up physical stature because I bristled when you were saying that your gymnastics coaches sat you down and they were like, Oh, Jennifer, like you're going to be too tall for this sport. Go find something else. 
And it makes me think we are just creating a culture where truly kids are being judged on their not only their like abilities, but their their physical size. And we are, you know, shuttling them toward football because they're big, tall and strong. And we're shuttling them towards cross country because they seem to enjoy running a lot instead of creating a an environment where kids feel like they get to explore lots and lots of different things throughout their entire childhood, right? Like I would love to see a world where from five to 18 is truly a time of exploration and figuring out what feels good to you to kind of weigh in on my like personal experience. I had a lot of interests as a kid that I do know got put by the wayside because I virtually did not have time to explore them because there were only so many hours in the day. Um, I was on occasion told that I could not explore another sport for risk of injury. Like when I was in high school, I really wanted to play basketball and I'm not tall by any means, but I could dribble a basketball. And I was, I was virtually told no by my club coach because the risk of ACL injury was high and my soccer was my priority. And I think about not even sports, Jennifer, I love musical theater. Do you know how much I would have loved to be on the crew? I'm not a, I'm not a singer or an actor. I would have loved to be on the crew of my high school's musical productions. I would have gotten such a kick out of that. Those were like some of my friends. But that was virtually unavailable to me because I was on a track to go to college, self-imposed. I wanted to play soccer in college. But once I got on that track, there it it felt almost impossible to get out of. Did you feel anything like that? So I did. And I think that's part of what led to my burnout. So my parents supported me, I felt like in whatever I did, as long as I tried hard, their background was more music. And so Mm -hmm. there was a time when I was taking piano lessons, flute lessons in the band (laughs) and playing basketball. And so, I mean, in high school, I do remember there were days to practice with the band. I was getting there at the crack of dawn, maybe 6 a.m., going to a full day of school, having basketball practice, then turning around on Thursday nights, we had a band rehearsal from six to nine. Mm -hmm. And then I was coming home and doing my AP coursework homework. And I mean, it was just a lot, you know, all of these things are fantastic opportunities, but, and, and I don't fault my parents for any of that. I'm so grateful. I had all of those opportunities and I want to recognize like what a privilege it is to be able to do these things and have the opportunities to participate in all of this. Um, you know, the fact that they even signed me up and would drive me to and from, but I do want to like take that and like, how is that informing my family values with my husband and I? And so I would love to hear about, you know, these conversations with that you and your wife are having, mm-hmm. you know, how are you defining your family values? 
bringing your past experiences and what you'll take to your kids. Yeah, how we're translating that to our kids. I know one thing that we have talked about that I feel strongly about, and I think is, I mean, this is arguably a sentiment that can be passed along to um, to moms and adults alike. But I think we live in a culture where if a kid is good at something or if they declare that they love something, I love soccer, I love football, whatever it is that they declare, they're good at it, they're efficient, they love it, whatever it is, that just does, I want my kids to know that that does not mean it has to become your life. It does not mean that you have to monetize it. You are allowed, and I I mean, I think this, again, like goes to adults too. We are allowed to enjoy something for the sake of enjoying it, right? And so when I think about a kid, my son loves soccer right now. We are playing rec soccer in the option to join an arguably more competitive league is already available to me. Okay. Like at age five, it is already an option that I could sign him up for the local club team. Okay. And I am having to actively choose against that for right now. And it's hard for me, Jennifer. Like I'm going to, I'm going to tell you like, there might be moms out there listening who don't can't relate to the way we feel, but they may have a co-parent who might relate to the way that we feel where I like the idea. I'm just going to be brutally honest here. I like the idea of having a kid who's really good at a sport. I mean, I'm not going to lie. That sounds really cool to me. It worked out quite well in my life. I felt very confident being a soccer player I like that idea and I am having to actively work. I am choosing, not having to, I'm choosing to actively work against that inclination to procure an elite athlete, you know, because with the, um, with the right amount of time and money, which we know is an enormous privilege to being able to access sports, but with the right amount of time and money, you can procure an elite athlete, right? And mm-hmm. I I don't want to do that. You know, so these are the things that we're discussing like you're allowed to enjoy soccer and continue to just enjoy it. It does not have to become your job. I love that. Okay, Megan, like many of our listeners, I'm sure I've been doing some spring cleaning in my closet lately and it always feels so good to get rid of clothes I'm not wearing, things that don't fit or that aren't my style anymore. But you know what I realized? All of my Vionic shoes are always in the keep pile. They just tick all the boxes. They're cute, comfy, high quality. They last forever. And I love growing my Vionic collection, especially with the latest styles from their Vionic Vitals collection. The Vionic Vitals collection offers daily wear styles designed for elegance, comfort, and versatility. We both love the Uptown Loafer, which collapses flat, so it's perfect for travel. The Chardonnay Heeled Sandal, which I know you love, Sarah. The Walk 23 Classic Sneaker, which our team member Katie gets compliments on all the time. And the Willa Slip-On Flat, one of my favorites, which comes in 12 colors for any outfit. Yeah, I need to uh, get the Willa Slip-On Flat. That's next on my list. 
Well, listeners, if you're ready to try the shoes we're always raving about, use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. We are welcoming back Ritual as a sponsor today. Megan, we both try to make healthy choices, but you know, sometimes it's tricky to sort through fact and fiction when it comes to supplements and vitamins to figure out just what they're doing for us. That's why I'm glad Ritual keeps studying their products and sharing the results, especially as it relates to women, since women are the focus of all Ritual's products, including the Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin. And the results are super reassuring. Just as an example, Ritual conducted a university-led clinical trial for their Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin, and it was shown to increase vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in just 12 weeks. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin is made with high-quality and traceable key nutrients in clean, bioavailable forms with nine key nutrients in two capsules per day. Plus, they are leading the industry when it comes to sustainability. They use lower carbon packaging and prioritize sustainably sourced ingredients. That kind of thoughtfulness really matters to me. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash the mom hour. Start Ritual or add the Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash the mom hour for 25% off. Here's the conversation that's going on at our house. It's soccer requires, it's a really technical sport. Mm -hmm. I feel like, you know, you, those ball handling skills, there is kind of a unique window that you have to develop those. And if you want to take that on at eighth grade, like, are you going to be able to catch up? And so, I mean, I guess that's the rub that comes in for me is like, I tr- I'm there with you. I want my child to be able to just like enjoy the sport for it's an enjoyment and yeah. not take it to nth degree. But also, what if they do just want to play high school soccer? Yeah. And, you know, are we going to have that opportunity because we didn't do travel? And like, I don't want to vilify competitive sports by any stretch. I think there's like so much good that comes of it and it does get a bad rap. And so I I do want to be so careful and just like offer the disclaimer of that. I think there's like so much great that comes of it, but I've also seen, yeah, just like you had to turn down other opportunities and other interest um, because, you know, we can't do it all. So, well, maybe that's a... That's a lesson learned in itself. And like you said, I, I just completely agree with you. I know there are moms and families and kids out there that run the absolute spectrum of how their families are dealing with sports. And, you know, like we said, it, it, well, I don't even know if we said this, but this is yours and my experience. We're bringing our personal experience to this. This is how we are approaching this whole topic just from a place of truly curiosity. How do we want to handle this? I will say right now, I have a three-year-old who is proving herself to be like quite physically capable. And I could see her being a, a pretty active athlete based on the way she has like demonstrated her physical capabilities out in the cul-de-sac, you know? And um I 
I, I think about so many different things. Sarah and Megan have talked in the past about how do we manage when one kid is has maybe a talent, right? There are kids out there who are given true talents and gifts, and we don't want to stifle that. I don't think we should stifle that because what a gift you've been given, you don't want to throw it away. I feel all of that perspective, right? Like there are so many different approaches to this and sitting back and just thinking about your own family values is the way to do it. We are not suggesting there is one way to approach this. I think we're opening the discussion to say it doesn't have to be a straight competitive line if that's the message you're being fed in your community. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, I do think there has to be the spectrum of kids who do jump in there and really hook into soccer or baseball or yeah. something that played at a rec level. But I wonder if like we just as a parent need to be attuned to what gets them jazzed up, what gets mm. them, you know, intrinsically motivated. Um, but again, as parents, you know, we're kind of deciding these things. So for example, Heath played flag football this year, loved it. I mean, I have not seen him get so excited oh, for a sport before. And so now next year, it's like tackle football is available to us. And I know there's like a whole nother discussion about football just from like the con concussion and, and yeah. safety standpoint. Um, but flag football really served us well. He got to play with kids from his school. The schedule was great. It seemed like the right fit. And, you know, as far as our family values go, but this opportunity is there. And that's what, so, I mean, it's really good to hear that you're actively choosing to pull back, but I mean, I don't know. We are still in the balances here trying to decide what we'll do next year and just weigh the pros and cons. Well, here, let me let me give you some like support in that decision, because I'm not saying, uh, you know, you should be backing down. He's loving football. You have the opportunity to take it to the next level. And he probably has voiced that he wants to do that. And I'm sure they're going to do it in the safest way possible, you know, and I, I know you're probably having lots of feelings about that kind of stuff, but I would like to think and hope <laughs> they're going to do it in a safe way um, if yeah. they're having, you know, six and seven year olds doing this. But this is what I get back to here. So let's say he, I mean, let's say the guy declares that football is going to be his sport. I mean, it sounds like he loves it. He is enjoying going to practice, going to games. You're not having to put up a fight about, you know, like, hey, get your football pads on. Um, and the way I see it, if I had a kid who honed in on a sport, I don't have a kid who's honed in on a sport yet. So I can't I can't make this um, I can't uh, relate to you just yet. But here's how I feel like I would handle it. I would say. We are taking this as a family, a season at a time. So right now we're doing rec. It does not mean that we are not going to eventually play competitively. I think kids who are 
um, more proficient at sports shouldn't be playing in the rec league because it actually can really, I mean, it can really mess up what the goals are. If you have a kid who is scoring 12 goals a game, that comes with its own kind of other issue. So it doesn't mean that we're not going to play competitively, but what we're going to do is we're going to take this a season at a time. We're not thinking about middle school. We're not thinking about high school. We're not thinking about college. We are just enjoying the sport for what it has to offer. And maybe as a family, at the end of every season, we come together and we decide, do we want to continue this next year or do we want to try something else? And I think having everyone come in with a really open mind, parents and kids included, to say that you're not locked in. If you decide that you don't want to be locked in, you don't have to be. And we will support your decisions. I think that's how I would approach it. And if the kid, like you're saying, intrinsic motivation, their interest, they want to be locked in, we support them, right? Like that is kind of the way I see it. And again, I'm not in it yet. So I don't know. This is how I just, I've thought about this so darn much. Yeah. Because we know it was a huge part of our lives and how we want to handle it with our kids is front of mind now that we're in it. I so like what you're saying with that of like, yeah, okay, we're not going to worry about the future. We're just going to worry at one season at a time. And I think that's maybe where we've landed. So football is kind of a unique sport. I think it's all new to me anyway. I didn't play football growing up, but, um, again, back to the physical stature stuff, there are weight requirements. And so Heath is a guy that because of his physical stature, he would not be able to run with the ball. And so in flag football, he has that opportunity. And so we, Chris and I, my husband did sit down and we had a conversation. Okay. What is it that you like about football? Do you like the defensive part of it? Because you really do seem to like, you know, snatching those flags, but you also really seem to like running with the football. We think this league would give you more opportunity to run with football. What do you think about that? And so that is the approach we're taking, but I love the reminder, Jamie, of just like, okay, one season at a time, the season in front of us, not thinking ahead to seventh grade. Yeah. I mean, really on the flip side, like you could argue the opposite for music, right? Like I could, I could not decide. And I think kids are mature enough by the time they're 14 or 15. I knew I was not going to be allowed to join the band. I was not, I wasn't really looking to join the band. However, if I had been like, you know what? I really feel like I'd like to take up the trumpet. That would that was not even available to me because I had never played the trumpet before. And I think kids are realistic enough to know that, like, I, I can't try out for the, you know, basketball team if I've never played basketball before. I think historically you could have. But mm-hmm. these days you can't. And I think it, and I'm of course, I, sorry, that's a really like direct way of saying that. I can't, I shouldn't say you can't. I just know in some regions of the country, there are, 
you know, expectations that you've played before, before you would try out for like a middle school or a high school team. And I think the kids know this. And I think it, I think your parenting on this football situation is truly brilliant. I love that you're thinking about, well, what is it that you do like about the sport? You could have a kid that says, oh, I just like hanging out with my friends. And it's like, oh, so the sport is of less interest to you. There mm-hmm. are other options of things you can do that we can get you that social time, you know, that yeah. team camaraderie that doesn't have to do with this. So you were talking about how it may vary region to region. Well, I think it varies too on school size. So where we are, um, your school size to some degree does determine, I would assume, Um, the level of competition, you know, they have, how we do it in our state is you have like three A all the way to six A and that's the size of your school. Yes. And so not to say that kids at smaller schools are not playing as a, at such a high level as, you know, a three A school versus a six A school, because certainly I think they're playing basically at the same level. But at a 6 day school, you might have 200 kids trying out for a team with 20 spots. Whereas a smaller school, I think they would have to be a little bit more willing to accommodate, you know, athletes who play multiple sports, someone who's in the band and plays basketball, whereas a larger school, they're going to say, no, pick and choose. And so that has honestly come into our discussion. I mean, I'm probably pointing myself out as a crazy person that we're like, okay, well, should we move and go to a smaller school so you could play multiple sports and do multiple things? Or do we stay here where there's a lot of opportunity, you know, um, with the facilities and all of that? So have you guys thought about that, about how school size could affect your opportunities and your philosophy on that? Yeah. Well, one, you're not a crazy person. I love that you're thinking about that because it goes to show that you, you're putting your values. You're not thinking about, not that there would be anything wrong with moving to a 6A school. I had the opportunity when I was in high school to go to a different high school that was a higher level soccer program than the one I ended up going to. I actually ended up going to the school that was the lower level because I wanted to stay with my friends. So we had a discussion about that with my parents and I chose my friends over the soccer program. Um, So I don't think that talking about that and considering those things is crazy at all. I'll say that we have not Amanda and I have not gotten that far. Like we have not gotten to those discussions thinking about bigger picture. And it may be in part, you've been in the youth sports world now for a couple years, at least. I truly just started this fall. And so I am now just kind of getting my wheels turning of what this culture looks and feels like. Um, I am in an area with large high schools. I anticipate, I actually couldn't tell you what, uh, if they were three, four, five, six A, um, but I do know I have very large high schools in my area. Um, I'm in a, I'm in a large suburb. So my, in, my inclination is that they are um, a larger school, but it, it's, it's fascinating. It, it's fascinating and frustrating to me that we're even having to think about it. 
right? Yes. Like, it, it's a it's a really big bummer that we're thinking like, I like the idea of my kid playing soccer in the fall, basketball in the winter, softball in the spring, but that's not going to be an option based on the place that we live in. And I, I'm disappointed that we're even kind of thinking that way. And this just takes me back to, and I'm being a total idealist here, but like getting the societal shift away from just procuring elite athletes and really thinking about our kids and raising well-rounded kids who value physical activity, who value being outside, who value, you know, going for a quick jog or, you know, that sort of thing. Because those are things that I know feel important to long-term health right? Just being outside, being able to walk, being able to enjoy moving our bodies. And we've just really shifted to this super hyper-focused, specialized world. And it's making all of us a little bit, you know, crazy over all of it. Yeah. It just drives the intensity, but maybe you're right. Maybe we can take a stand, you know, one mom at a time and just like dial that back a little bit because there's such a spectrum. There's a rec league. And then I know there's boarding schools dedicated to specific sports. And so surely there's something in the middle that helps us establish those family goals, like you said, pursuing physical activity as a lifelong pursuit. Um, And sports are just kind of a stop in the middle. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Um, I will add here before we wrap up, Sarah and Megan have two episodes way back in the archives, 2015 and 2017, where they talk about sports parenting. If you've made it this far and you're thinking Jennifer and I are like, just wild sports moms. And this is feeling like way too intense for you. Um, Sarah and Megan have some really good episodes about peeling it back even more and having a really minimalist approach to how they have handled um, sports with their kids in the past. So if that appeals to you, that can be linked up in the show notes. And, um, you know, Jennifer, I have so appreciated chatting with you about this. I'm certain we have not solved anyone's problems <laughs> over the I know. Um, you know, it, it's just one of those things that really needs to be discussed with a lot of nuance and compassion for people. Exactly. Um, and know that this is going to vary widely, widely from family to family and kid to kid. And that is okay. And year to year, maybe you and I need to have a discussion once a year. Okay, what are we doing for kids sports? And kind of navigating these questions and like thinking about the bigger picture. So I so appreciated this conversation with you. I love that. All right. Thank you so much for hanging with me and hope we get to chat again soon. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening to The Mom Hour. Everything we talked about in today's episode is available at themomhour.com. And hey, while you're there, you can find more than 500 podcast episodes, plus articles, playlists, and resources about motherhood and parenting at every stage. And if you like today's episode, we'd love it if you would take a minute to share the show with another mom in your life. You can also find us on Instagram at The Mom Hour, chatting and interacting with listeners between episodes. Thanks for being here, friends. We'll talk to you soon. Guess what, Megan? Over 10,000 teens are already using our sponsor, Erica, to help them unplug. That is amazing. 
Erica, that's Erica with a K, is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug whenever they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. It's so cool how this works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Yeah, you know, teens really get that social media comes with risks, including addiction, and Erica helps them build healthy habits and self-regulation that will benefit them their whole lives. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. Hi, everyone. Megan here. Sarah and I would absolutely love it if you would hit pause right now, like right where you're listening, and leave the Mom Hour a rating and review. If our show has helped you feel a little more confident as a mom or a little less alone, this is one of the biggest ways you can thank us, and it really only takes about 30 seconds. If you're listening to Apple Podcasts, you can navigate to the Mom Hour's show listing. So when you're in the episode you're listening to right now, click where it says the Mom Hour just above the play button and then scroll all the way to the bottom and you will see the ratings and reviews. We would love if you would leave us one as well. Thank you so much for listening.